Welcome to Upfront, the podcast. I'm Katie Hannan. If you've been listening to us, you'll know the format by now. We talk to people we know you'll find interesting. And for added spice, we also bring along 20 random Upfront questions and ask them to pick a number. So the direction those questions take us in is an adventure for all of us. This week on the first anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, I'm talking to Cloda Kilcoyne. She's an Irish photographer who's been covering the war in Ukraine, amongst other global stories, for the Reuters news agency. When I caught up with her, I started by asking her where she was. And just to say, you'll understand why there are occasional issues with the quality of the line when you hear her answer. I'm in Antakya in Hatay province, Turkey, covering the earth, the aftermath of the earthquake um, that happened two weeks ago. Um, so I'm currently sitting in a car uh, on my phone chatting to yourself. <laughs> and tell me, what's it like there where, where you are right now? Um, it's a scene of kind of utter devastation and chaos. Um, it's destruction, I would say, on an industrial level. There is really nothing left of Antakya um, city centre. Anything that's upright is just, um, it's kind of, it's very, uh, it needs to be kind of um, taken down. It's very unstable. Um, we had two nights ago, we had a very violent earthquake and that has further destabilised de- 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 the buildings that are remaining in the city. And it's just an incredibly dangerous place to walk around. Um, where where were make- you for that earthquake, for the for the, sh- the aftershock or whatever that was a couple of nights ago? I was right in the epicentre in central Antakya. I was actually, in, we were interviewing um, a family that were uh, waiting to be evacuated the following day. Um, we were luckily, uh, we were in an open space um, in the city centre and we were just about to move into the streets um, when we were finishing up the interview and the woman that we were interviewing insisted to sit down for tea. And I think that saved probably our lives or that cup of tea saved our lives or serious injury because um Four minutes after we sat down for the tea, um, it all kicked off and it became very, very violent. It threw us all to the ground. Um, every, in fact, everyone in that camp, it threw us all to the ground and um, just it terrified everyone. It threw me beside a family that I photographed. They were The father was just holding um, his wife and two children so tightly um, on the ground. Um, it was it was really, really uh upsetting scene like it was really upsetting and it was very frightening for sure. Can, can I just ask you when things settle and literally the dust settles after something like that do you just think I should really think about going home now <laughs> I, did, <laughs> does self-preservation kick in at all in, in those in those situations it does absolutely um, it did on the ground for us and um, we happen to be in a relatively safe open area like open areas with nothing hanging over you is where you want to be. Um, but obviously we had to cover the aftermath and we were we were we definitely rattled ourselves for sure. Like there's no doubt about it. It's, the earthquake happened to us as well. Um, and we were spinning ourselves, um, but we had a jo- also a job to do. So when we were walking around for the aftermath, I mean, there was a bridge we had to cross and we just stopped before it and said, OK, on the count of three, let's run across this bridge. So we were very aware, like, don't want to get hurt ourselves. And when we were walking past a high building again, we we stopped and we ran. So, yeah, we we didn't want uh, 
you don't want to get hurt yourself. Like you don't want to become collateral. Is there a difference covering a national, a natural disaster like like the situation you're in right now or and a war, which is the situation we'll be talking about in a moment? Like, is your approach to what you're doing very different? Or are they essentially, you're essentially looking for the, for, for the same kind of human pictures? Yeah, it's always about the human element because um, that's, that's who ultimately all this affects um, is the people that are in the city and their lives that are turned upside down. The, um, the the sort of visual results of war and this natural disaster are strangely the same because um, the places in rubble and missiles turn uh, villages into rubble. So they actually look the same. Like when I'm walking through, it's, it's bringing me back to Ukraine all the time. I'm thinking, my head is still thinking, a missile did this. I, I keep forgetting that it's the earth. Um, so yeah, it is. It's kind of causing a little confusion in my brain because I'm still thinking of um, missiles incoming, um, whereas coming from the ground. Um, the the difference, I suppose, was the is the death toll that happened in one day. You know, is I mean, it's still not a final tally. We don't know. It could be up in the hundreds of thousands. Yes, there's no um, there's no definitive uh, figure yet. But um, whereas war, of course, is it's um, it's a slow grind, uh, uh, grisly grind um, every day. There's kind of um, casualties every day, but this is on an epic level. It's very hard to kind of comprehend when you first arrive. Um, there's just bodies being pulled out everywhere. It's a very, um, it, yeah, it's very shocking. Do you, how do you come to terms with like most people don't see you know apart from you know a family week <laughs> will never see a, a, a body a dead person in, in all their lives basically and how do you come to terms with this becoming part of your day um, I don't think you ever really do when I saw my first body here um, they, oh, it, it, even the circumstances are um, very strange they took out the body, they put her in a, a blue body bag and then they put her on the ground on the street and they opened the body bag to see did anyone know who she was. Like, it's, you, you, you can't even comprehend like how sad of a situation that is where this poor woman who's, you know, um, her family or, I mean, maybe her, fam- her whole family are dead, but you're thinking when you see something like that, I didn't take a picture because it was just too awful. Um, you know, it was the, like she has been part of her family and very loved by some, by people. Um, maybe they're all dead. You start to wonder about her life. Like what's, you know, what's, you can see where she's just, um, everything that's been lost, who misses her, who's looking for her. Um, there's someone that misses her. And, but they're not there to identify her. So she's getting put into a van and brought to a morgue. And I don't know, maybe DNA testing at some point. She'll be reunited or identified. But yeah, it's that's the, that's hard. I think it takes a little bit of your, um, I think it takes a little bit of your soul every time you see something like that. 
God, I hope you've got a big soul, Claudette. <laughs> you're, you're putting yourself in the way of a lot of trauma. Can, can I talk? Can I talk to you? Because obviously we're coming up to the first anniversary of the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Can you remember where you were when you heard that that had happened? Because obviously there'd been a lot of speculation. It was being denied. Then we heard they had gone in over the border. Did you immediately think wherever you were, I need to get over there. I'm going to be covering this. I did. To be honest, I actually can't remember when I first heard it. I was probably at work somewhere. And I I thought to myself, yeah, it's going to be First of all, a, human, a humanitarian crisis on a really grotesque level. So yeah, I, at first I asked to go to the border and I went, I landed in Bucharest in Rome and I drove across and I was there for three weeks and it was just uh, people pouring over, women and children actually, obviously men weren't allowed to come over at that time. And um, that was another scenario where people that were coming over, you know, you can see the stress in their faces um, when they're walking towards that threshold. And many of them then, when they crossed it, they literally, they just broke down, they burst out crying. So you can, so then you, st- you start to think to yourself, what on earth have you seen? You know, what are the horrors that are, are behind you? Like, where are your family? Um, so I think that's the important story to be told. Um, can I double back just a little bit on yourself, just in terms of where you came? Like, what, I be, like, what would you normally be doing when you're, if you're not, you know, dodging earthquakes or, uh, you know, bullets in Ukraine? What do you normally take photographs of? Um, I'm based in Ireland, and I do. I have been covering a lot of Brexit for the last number of, since 2016. <laughs> as occupied. <laughs> okay. Will you chance a random question for me? Sure. <laughs> I know you're saying you're dreading this, but they really are okay. <laughs> okay. Go on, pick pick a number between one and twenty, and I I'm hoping you get a good one. Um, seventeen. Seventeen. Okay. Actually, this is a good one for somebody like you who must uh, ha- learn how to travel light. I imagine it's what would you save if your house was on fire? Oh, that's an interesting. Um, I don't know. Maybe my hard drives. <laughs> What's on the hard drives? <laughs> it's basically my body of work over the years. Um, yeah, that's where all my photos are. I think photos are the, are the important. Yeah, well, isn't that the thing? Actually, I think actually if you stopped 10 people on the street, eight of them would probably say they're photos because that's as you say, that's where that's the repository of your of your family memories, of your personal memories. But in your case, it's your professional career as well. I was thinking, though, is there many women in this area? Like, are, are there many women photographers on the front line? Um, there is a few. Absolutely. There is a brilliant one, Zora Bensamra with Reuters. She's based in Senegal. She's uh, she's a very inspirational photographer um, and very compassionate. And I think that's really important when you are uh, photographing war. It's not just all about um, cannons, missiles and artillery. Um, it's there is compassion because, I mean, what all that weaponry does is destroy lives. So that's what you're that's what you're there to tell. Um, 
Yeah, and that's actually that was my next question. I was like, do you think that that women bring a particular quality to <clears throat> this kind of journalism? I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, sometimes maybe if it's a very delicate issue, um, I think women maybe have slight more of an insight to it. But I think it's very individual because everyone has different interests in what they cover, you know. So it's kind of. Yeah, everyone's looking for something. Yeah, yeah. something different. Um, Take me back to your first assignment then in Ukraine. Where did you end up? I was assigned to the uh, east of Ukraine, um, Donetsk region, which is in the Donbass. And I was staying in uh, Kramatorsk and I was covering the area of uh, Bakhmut, uh, Severus, Solidar and all around that region. Um, I did spend some time in Kharkiv, which had recently been um, liberated. Um, but I was mostly based in around the Donetsk region. And I think these are names we've all we all know now, you know, Bakhmut, yeah. Arkiv, you know, these are these have become very familiar names to all of us. And we've all seen photos and, and video and that out of these places. And like it just looks hellish. It is. It's very nightmarish um, at any stage there. I mean, walking through Bakhmut every two or three seconds, a shell lands somewhere and it reverberates through the um the apartments that are still standing so it's it, it does sound like um kind of a horror film or something you know um the, the sort of impact then when you're when you are walking through that city it it goes through your body like it reverberates physically uh, within you you feel your clothes kind of uh, a breeze hit your clothes and that's the that's the kind of energy coming from the shell that's impacting on your on your body but I mean, I can't imagine any amount of hostile environment training can really prepare you for that. Um, I mean, it prepares you a decent amount, like uh, situational awareness is really the, the key thing for that and how to work with security and, you know, um, things to be on the lookout for and don't be, basically don't touch anything. <laughs> you see something metal on the ground, do not pick it up. You know, but don't don't kick the pipe. Don't kick the pipe. Exactly. <laughs> what what it doesn't prepare you for is the audio, you know, and the reality of it is is another thing because um, the one thing that you have to get in hand is fear. You cannot let the fear overtake you when you're when you're driving into the front line. Um, you you know that the you know the car tends to go quiet for. You know, those last few minutes when you're approaching and um, after you've put on your flak jacket and your helmet, it's it becomes very real then. And um, but you have to kind of manage your emotions. And that's the most important thing, because if you let the fear overtake you, then you're gone like it. Um, you're not going to be you're going to be a liability in fields. Um, someone's going to have to look after you and, and drag you along. Have you had close shaves and, and you know, you've been there You've had two fairly lengthy assignments now in in this war. Have you had close shaves? We have. I mean, the missiles, uh, you know, you, you, you mitigate all the risks as best as you can. Um, you know, you go by the book as much as you can. You take all the security advice. Um, but if a shell lands on your, if a missile lands on your head, it lands on your head. There's nothing you can do about that. 
but we have had ones that have landed extremely close and we've had to hit the ground. Uh, in fact, the last assignment on one of the last days, we were south of Solidar, just as it was being taken over and we were visiting a Ukrainian position um, that was firing. The army screamed at us, get down on the ground, which we did, and we had to run to the bunker because it was just kind of raining in. And yeah, it was pretty close. Another time on uh, Orthodox Christmas, there was we were interviewing a lady who said beautiful Bakhmut had been. Look at all the flowers, she said. Look at everything. This Bakhmut was so beautiful. And next thing, about five shells just dropped. I would say twenty yards from us. So yeah, that was that was pretty close. It, um, it's a game of luck, I suppose. On one level, that just sounds so crazily terrifying and and high risk. But I mean, does it make you, you know, more alive? I mean, I know some people do become, you know, we use the term adrenaline junkies, but, you know, that they get this is this 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 is why they're there. You know, that 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 living on the on the edge. You don't strike me as one of those people, though. Um, No, it's not for the adrenaline. Um, But it is. I mean, it certainly does make you alive. You have a lot of adrenaline running through you after like when you're returning back to base afterwards. Um, but no, that's not why I do it. Okay. Just on that, that, you know, I know that this is, uh, it's around now actually the anniversary of um, Marie Colvin's death. And I know that she had terrible recurring nightmares about the attack when she lost her eye, that the, the original attack that uh, took her eye. And we know Fergal Keane has been writing about PTSD uh recently. Do you worry about PTSD? Um, I it's in my mind for sure. I don't think it's happened to me uh, yet. Um, but I mean maybe it's it's something that I'll kind of have. I don't know like it, it's it hasn't happened to me yet anyway. Um, but it's yeah it's definitely a real concern but I think it's I'm keeping an eye out for the early signs of it and, um, you know, it's a situation that I'll I'll definitely monitor, you know. Um, yeah, there's probably a bit better understanding about this in, yeah. in your field now. Anyway, I would I would you would hope um, going back to um, Marie Colvin there. Um, she obviously had a big thing about the underdog, but I remember Lindsay Hilsom writing that she was remarkably unideological. She didn't she didn't, you know, go with a preconceived notion of who were the good guys and the bad guys. And she kind of just photographed what was before her. Does seeing the reality of this war, the Ukraine, uh, the war in Ukraine on the ground, does that impact your political views of what's happening and how, you know, say, for instance, how the West is responding? Um, I would say not really Um, much like uh, Lindsay. I photograph what I see um, and I document what I see. Um, there's two sides to everything. It's not up to me to take a side. I don't I don't say, um, one, you know, one side is good or bad. It's right or, or, or wrong. Yeah. Uh, and has there been any time when you thought I should just put down my camera now and help here? That that where, where you you felt that the the decent human thing to do is not look through your viewfinder, but, you know, get stuck in. 
well, first of all, one thing to remember is everyone in a, be it an earthquake zone or a war zone has a job to do, you know. Um, the army are there to fight the fight. Um, the emergency services are there to respond to the damage, the injuries. And um, there's the people there, there's uh, volunteers and humanitarian to help with the evacuations and aid. So we're there as press to highlight this and that's our job. I'm not a trained um, emergency service worker. So if I start interfering with somebody injured on the ground, I'm just going to be causing issues for somebody else. I'm getting in the way and causing problems. Um, so in a situation where like, for instance, um, there was a missile attack on an apartment block in Dnipro that I covered in the last week that I was there, um, you wouldn't you wouldn't get involved there because you'd just be causing chaos and getting in the way. Um, but then, for instance, in Bakhmut, when they're handing out humanitarian aid, yeah, you do put down your camera and start handing out bread. Or, you know, if there's old people that are um, not kind of able to fill up their bags, just fill it up for them and without becoming in the way yourself. Uh Okay, I'm going to torture you with one last random question and then I will let you back to doing the amazing job you're doing. Um, give me one more number, Claudia. Um, and Okay, what would be your death row meal? Actually, that's a good question. Food, when you're in a war zone, does it become very important or is it something that matters to you ever? Oh, I like, yeah, I definitely, I like my food. <laughs> but the food in a war zone is uh, you eat when you can because generally you kind of eat once a day it's, and you bring snacks. Um, so it's really important to bring snacks. Sometimes you end up eating the military ready meals that are self-eating, which in my opinion are foul, but some people like them. <laughs> so in your case, not your death row meal, but the, what is the meal you kind of dream of eating when you get home then, when you get home to Kildare? Yeah, and it's stir fries. I love um, steak and mash. So, yeah, all that kind of comfort food. OK, Claudia, thank you so, so much. Uh, you're, you're an incredible woman, really. You're doing an amazing job there. And I really, really uh, enjoyed uh, hearing all about that. And I'm kind of a little just a bit in awe, really, of what you're doing there. But please take care of yourself. I will do. Thanks, Katie. It's been lovely chatting to you. And that was Claudia Kilcoyne. Subscribe now to get new episodes on your feed when they're published and get in touch if there's someone you'd like to hear featured. On Twitter, we're at RTE Upfront or send us a WhatsApp message to 087 677 1000. Talk to you next week.